Hello, Wimberly. It's what we know, what we don't. This is KWVH 94.3. It is Friday. It's winter outside, <laughs> at least for Wimberly. <clears throat> and I'm, actually winter in Wimberly? Oh, my goodness. Benita. Yes. It really, I mean, I, I don't know if it started out that way this morning. I think the humidity kind of prevented it. And I probably sent uh, Bodie to school a little underdressed, if I'm being honest. But, um, yeah, when I was walking through, I was like, wow, this really is about as wintry as it can feel. Uh, other than when, you know, I mean, it goes like full blown. That, it's the most pleasant form of wintry. How about that? Like, like pre ice storm. Level. Yeah. You know, no, no ice storms, no, no right. freak snows or, or anything like that. But, um, just like you definitely feel like I want, I, I'm cool to walk with a hot coffee and I can have on, uh, more clothes than normal and not be uncomfortable enforcing the issue. Cause that's what I noticed a lot of people the last few weeks here. Like I'm wearing a hoodie. I don't care. You know, it's time to it go. Is, it is autumn. I am going to wear the autumn clothes. I saw somebody actually, uh, I think a writer maybe up in at an uh, ad agency at GSDM in Austin had, had done, a. An article about that, like a one of those, you know, I don't even know what those are called, like uh, McSweeney's, right? That kind of thing, where you, okay. do, you it's not an article, but it's like a a mo- what do you call it when it's an article that's a mockumentary? It's not a mockumentary, but it's like a like satire, a hair, satire. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, and it was about that. It was about like I, it doesn't really matter that it's you know 80, 85 degrees because it really was. I mean, just yesterday it was yesterday, maybe the day before. I mean, it was 85 degrees here. It's like 52 right now. That's probably not wintry for you. It's certainly not wintry for our guest who I believe uh lives in the state of Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Um <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure she's like winter what? What are you talking about? And that's fine. That's fine. Um Benita, I was just saying before the show started uh that you know, I had a, a particularly busy morning. Like, I don't, I'm not usually out and about in the world. I'm, I'm typically just sitting uh, by myself, alone, in the dark, typing. But, um, but I, I actually got to see a lot of people today because I met a good friend uh, for breakfast. And I always, whenever I do that, it's so important. I know you, I think you're a bit yes. more social than I am. But when I, when I do actually finally get back out there, I'm like, wow, this was, this was a real gift to sit with somebody. Uh, for yes. a couple of hours and talk, and it just so happened that we were at the we were at Wimberley Cafe here in town, and I, when I had picked it, I was like, "We'll get there, you know, whatever." Eight forty-five is not going to be anybody. It was packed. I don't know. Everyone had because of the winter. I'm telling you, it's like the winter. Was, Let's go Everybody's down to the cafe. Out. It's going to be amazing. Maybe nice. You know, and um, and I had an opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, some of the subject matter, the topic, uh, and why our guest is on, and, and what um, she's been researching and, and uh, bringing a lot of, you know, shining a light on as of late, uh, which is gaslighting. And I mean, I'm not going to say much more than that because I want you to introduce her because I want to get into it uh, as quickly as yep. we can. But I was really uh, both shocked. Uh, and also then, you know, pleasantly uh, surprised. I was like, wow, I mean, this is clearly something that people are talking about, wanting to understand better. Um, because yeah. I will be the first to admit that I I had heard the word. I, I think a lot of us started hearing the word gaslighting uh, around politics, uh, possibly within like the last five, maybe like starting five years ago or six years ago. Um, me too. Yeah. But I will also tell you, I, and I told my friend this morning straight up, uh, it wasn't that long ago that 
uh, Ariel and I were, were we were having a, a, a loud conversation. We were arguing. And uh, she actually, she said, stop gaslighting me. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know, like, you don't know what that means. You know, and I mean, we can get into that later. You can pick my brain on that because I, I did in this, in the run up to the show this week, I was like, I had to think back on it. And it's, it's probably three or four years ago, but I remember a lot of the, the stuff that was going on at that time. And I'll be the first to admit, like, it's possible that I was, possible that I was doing that. Um. And then the other thing I just want to say real quick that I want to get to, just make sure there's time for this question later after you, after we've gotten it through all the nuts and bolts of it, is like, I just really want to know if it's possible to gaslight oneself. Pin Ooh. that, pin that for later. Okay. We've put a pin in it. So let's get to it. Mm. Oh, so good to be here. So I'm excited to welcome our guest, Paige Sweet. So welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And um, it's so wonderful having the show and have people in our lives listen to it. And as Peter often says at the end of the show, you know, we'd love for people to reach out and suggest, you know, interesting people and topics to have on the show and and to cover and discuss. And somebody we know in common did exactly that and said, I really think you need to have my friend Paige on the show. And um, I was talking to her about the um, like sort of a personal educational deep dive I've been doing just on my own in terms of reading books and listening to podcasts and like understanding what happens in the world around like coercive control and narcissism and manipulation and gaslighting is, is a huge aspect to like those systems and the people who operate in those types of systems Um in like high control groups and basically cults. Um, but I, to hear that somebody I knew knew someone who was studying this and, and trying to understand it, um, or, and understanding it from, especially from a sociological perspective. So I wanted to say that you are an assistant professor of sociology, um, at the university of Michigan. And, um, I'm just going to read a little bit of, um, what you study gender and sexuality, um, gender-based violence, health and illness, um, the state and embodiment. Um, and so I can't wait to get into a couple of those elements and like what that actually means as it pertains to your research and area of study. And you've written incredible articles and one that we read in preparation for the show, just so beautifully laid out sort of what's happening in terms of this behavior and then also where we're seeing it show up in society and then sort of what's understood and maybe what's misunderstood. So those are all areas we're really excited to explore today. But if you wouldn't mind, my biggest question coming into just researching you and not knowing you is how did you find your way into this area of study? Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, thanks so much for that introduction, Benita. Um, yeah, I mean, I came into this really through domestic violence. And I think that is, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting experience to have been working in and researching domestic violence for so long, where gaslighting was something that we talk about all the time. Um, it's a really common feature of abusive relationships, people who work in domestic violence organizations or people who counsel survivors or people who research domestic violence are pretty familiar with the language. But I would say 
it was super uncommon for anyone else to know that word or talk about those dynamics before maybe the Me Too movement and the Trump presidency, I think both of which brought that word up in our sort of regular everyday language in a whole new way. It became this, this sort of like household name. Um, and so I had always been interested in it as someone who has worked with survivors and studied domestic violence because domestic violence survivors, you know, we have this image of like what domestic violence looks like, you know, like the black eye um, or someone's like broken arm or something like that. But really when you talk to survivors, a lot of them will tell you that the worst part or the part that sticks with them the most is the like mind bending psychological abuse. The sense that you're in another reality when you're in the abusive relationship, the sense that someone's really trying to like undo your sense of self or your sense of like orientation in the world um that that is the part of domestic violence and someone you love is doing that to you um and that is like what really plagues people you know for years after leaving and survivors talk about that all the time um but i think it's taken a long time to really take that seriously as like the core of domestic violence so that's really how i got interested and thinking about, wow, we should talk about this as its own thing, not just as part of domestic violence, but we need to unpack what's really going on here in gaslighting dynamics, you know, as its own sort of independent phenomenon. And then people started talking about, well, this happened to me at work, you know, and this happened to me with a parent, this happened with a friend. Um, and so I think, or it happened in a in an intimate relationship that was not otherwise abusive, um, and so I think that's really important. And so it's kind of started to like spread out from there. My interest in it, I think. Wow, so interesting, right? That it can come from um, an area of study or uh, experience that you're having with a particular group of people in the population experiencing something, and then um, it be so understood, but then when there are these sort of larger cultural moments, at least for myself, and starting to understand it a bit more, it's it becomes hard to unsee it in all of the places then that it, it does exist and can exist. And um, yeah, I was just mentioning to you before the show, you know, Peter and I both have worked in advertising for many years. And it's just in any corporate space that um, behavior can happen depending on, you know, the people and the power dynamics. And that's something that you talk about a lot as well in your writing, right? Is like the power dynamics that are set up to allow that behavior to happen. Absolutely. Can I have you back up even a little bit further? How did you find your way into working in the domestic violence space? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've just, I guess when I was in college, I started to do some anti-rape organizing, um, pressuring the university to develop a a sort of anti-rape program. And I got really interested in gender-based violence. So I started getting trained and working in domestic violence agencies as a volunteer. And I just always did that. And then at some point I thought, you know, I think, I think I want to study this. I think I want to listen to survivors' stories 
and put them in a format where we can see the patterns across Mm. them. And so I think that's why I decided to go into sociology. So it was kind of like, either I'm going to go into social work and work directly with survivors, or I'm going to go be a a sociologist and try to like listen to people's stories and find patterns across them. So that's what I do. Um, And so I decided to get a PhD in sociology. Um, And so part of what I study is sort of larger than gaslighting. I, I study the sort of systems that survivors have to access in order to get what they need and to survive and recover. And sometimes how those systems end up perpetuating harm rather than helping people. Um, I saw that you mentioned that, that specifically, that that a lot of these things are actually uh, ultimately continuing to hurt uh, the survivor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we tend not to have a really strong social safety net in the United States. And so you can imagine that someone who's struggling as a single mom, um, working multiple low-wage jobs and trying to get out of an abusive relationship, um, just how many more obstacles there are there than there should be. Um, Absolutely. We could, we could have a different world, but we don't. And so I think that's part of my motivation is just to point out, like, what if we actually gave people the material, you know, resources to recover from this? Um, but gaslighting comes up a lot for people in systems, too. Like, if they access the mental health system um, and they say, I'm a victim of domestic violence, and they get told, well, I think you have bipolar symptoms, and you're like, no, I'm just experiencing abuse. A lot of survivors talk about that kind of experience. So you can see how that perpetuates the harm that they're already experiencing from their abuser. So often these, you know, systems that have a lot of power to name and explain what we're going through, Mm -hmm. they are actually perpetuating those same dynamics. Right. So instead of listening, not judging and um, like, not labeling that's like then another label needs to be put upon someone through the lens of that person in power and then Mm -hmm. again it's that um you're being disempowered again your and your belief about yourself or what you're experiencing is questioned absolutely i think that's a good way to put it the way that accessing resources or help requires naming and talking about your experience in a way that's legible to that system, mm-hmm. um, that can be an incredibly disempowering experience for people. Wow. Absolutely. I think within the, the medical oh, system ahead. as well. Yeah. It was just, just one last thought, the medical system as well. Um, I, I mean, I just recently experienced something like that, going to a provider looking for some right. hopeful understanding and validation and was basically told like, no, just, this time of life for you and i was like wow that doesn't feel right yeah. <laughs> wow let me go find somebody else and i think that that's um i mean i don't think i know there's been lots of research and also some really powerful podcasts and investigative journalism happening around this and the experience especially that women have or people who identify um as female right. i mean i Absolutely. i i just wanted to real quick obviously it was a it was a part of uh, your setup there page but Again, I think just to distill down to like what gaslighting is, uh, for, you know, as, as a definition, I, I can't remember now if it was in the article that you sent us or, and, and I read a couple of other things or at least what, what I could read before there was a paywall. I mean, there's some, some of the stuff you published is behind some, some, some gates, but, um, 
where where the phrase itself came from, I did not even know. And then you hear it, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't remember the name of the play. I think it was a book and a play, or a play, and then it ultimately a movie, maybe with Ingrid Berman. Uh, is, that, am I, is that right? Um, where the uh, I guess the protagonist was being gaslit, but it was really actually gaslighting because they were fiddling with the gas lamps. Uh, making them brighter or, or bringing them down, right? And then right. And, and just trying to make this person feel, uh, uh, this woman in, in, in that story, feel crazy, right? Or, or mess right. with their perception of reality, right? Right. And right. So, so, I mean, that, that honestly helped me start to understand it a little bit better. Just like, oh, that is where it, it comes from. But I think when I read your yes. article and I saw those four, the one that you sent us, which we'll definitely post to it if we can, is um, is that within it, there's there's like anything, there's a lot of grays specifically, and you don't have to answer this right now, but what I want to bring up was what, what I thought was interesting and wasn't quite resolved within the article was um, the one woman who said her mother was gaslighting her, but didn't think she was doing it on purpose. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that was definitely a question I, I wanted to get a little deeper into is like, can you do it without doing it on purpose? Is that part of the definition? Is mm-hmm. that fits within? I think that's such a great question. Oh, and by the way, if you ever ha- run into this issue of like something a a researcher, professor wrote that's behind a paywall, please just email us and ask for the article, and we'll send you a PDF. Because this P- this paywall does not benefit us at okay. all. So more than happy, <laughs> more than happy to share to share the article. Um, but yeah, I think what you bring up is so important, Peter. So the I mean, I think of gaslighting as just like simply, you know, when someone or a group of people is trying to make you seem or feel crazy. Um, And we often talk about it just in the sort of simple, the simple language of like crazy making, Um, sort of, yeah, messing with your sense of reality, like you said. And the the origin of the word is quite literal. It's a it's a play and a film called Gaslight, and the the movie's from 1944. If you haven't seen it, I really recommend watching it um, with Ingrid Bergman. And it's really her husband is brightening and dimming the gaslights and insisting that she's imagining that. And he's doing that to try to institutionalize her in a psychiatric institution and then steal her fortune. So... What's interesting about the origin of that term is he's very evil. He's like this horrible Svengali puppet master figure who's trying very intentionally and very deliberately to make her seem crazy, not only to herself, but to other people. So he does this publicly in front of servants in the household and things like that. Um, And so he's really trying to discredit her and make her seem insane. Um, But what that suggests, right, is that there's really this, like, mastermind. um, That it's malicious and intentional. Very malicious, very intentional. So that's really the origins of the word. It gets sort of picked up by psychotherapists in the 60s and 70s a little bit. And partly what they're talking about is involuntarily involuntarily hospitalizing people um, as something that was happening at the time that they were concerned about, Mm -hmm. that someone could, could, you know, take control over someone's life to such an extent that they make them seem crazy and hospitalize them against their will. Um, And it gets, you know, 
um, psychotherapists sort of use it sporadically, but it, it doesn't get really popular until the Me Too movement and the Trump presidency. Um, but, you know, I think that we sort of overestimate that, like, intentional aspect of it. Um, and I'm curious what other, what you guys think about that. Because to me, I hear so many examples where I think that person might not be doing this intentionally, but it feels like manipulation and sort of mind bending and denial of reality to the other person. Um, so to me, it doesn't have to have this like big Machiavellian figure strategy behind it. But um, I'm always curious what other people think about that. If you think it's if, when you've seen it, is it like, do you think of it as more intentional? Because the people I interview often describe it as unintentional. I've seen both. Um, I think more often though, unintentional or like justified away either yeah. from, um, you know, like a very, uh, like intense and idealistic belief system that like wraps somebody's behavior in denying the reality of others and the experiences of others in like but their way is better yeah. Mm -hmm. or like it's the path to some ideal state or something like sort of in that world. And then where I've heard of it and seen examples of it more in like the personal relationships, um, you know, that you mentioned in sort of various different forms in the article, whether it's intimate relationships or parent relationships or sibling or other like close family member type of relationships is where it's like an ingrained pattern of, of, and maybe has also happened to the person who is now doling out that type of control and the gaslighting, but it maybe also happened to them. Like it's like an ingrained pattern generationally in a family dynamic. And so, um, and then like that person who, let's say it's parents now of maybe an adult, an adult child or something, and that it happened to them, they maybe haven't experience things like therapy and their own inner journey to become self-aware to know that they're even doing that so it just is like the way right. and and there isn't there isn't space for a nuanced conversation around like yes no yeah. <laughs> the way you're seeing that is not the way i'm seeing this right and that there's no space for there to be um mm -hmm. Well, that's where I kind of like want... the two different humans can be in the same conversation and be experiencing it differently. Like I had to learn that in marriage counseling. Like I didn't know that until I was like had a professional explaining yeah. that that's a thing, right? So I think unless you're exposed to that kind of help as a human being, you know, maybe you don't even know that this is the way. You like you think you're doing the right thing, and you're ultimately doing it via this form of manipulation. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because here's uh, like there, there's two things that come out that come out of it for me in, in hearing you both talk about one is I'm now I'm starting to think like, does does it have to be repeat for it to qualify? Right. Does it have to be a pattern that's happening often for you hmm. to, to really technically label that that? And then two, and I'm glad you brought it up, Benita, is because it, to me, it's that reality thing. Right. And so some time ago, I had read an article uh, about when uh, when when your child starts turning, you know, preteen and teen and how you could say something to them. And even though it is exactly what you said, their reality, they, they hear it differently. They interpret it differently. And so these huge fights are happening. Right. 
no, you didn't say that. And you were like, I totally said that. But that is just simply not the reality that they saw. It did not happen to them. Okay. And so then I start thinking, okay, as the example I mentioned, I think at the beginning of the show, um, when Ari told me, uh, stop gaslighting me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not gaslighting you. The way I recall it, and again, this is a little hazy, it's some time ago, but it's like, I started, I started to think it was like, she had a version of reality. I had a version of reality. Our versions of reality were not meeting. Now, here's where I think I did start gaslighting. I think I dug in. Even, even as I maybe started to realize, like, well, I'm not 100% right or, or certain about what I'm saying happened right now or whatever. But then in an attempt to win, for lack of a better, you know what I mean? Just to be like, I'm, right? I'm the like winner. Be right. not to be right. Was I that I think I then fell into what I would call gaslighting. Um, uh-huh. Although at the time I was just like, I, I really think I told her and I'll be curious to see what she says when I get home now. But it's like, I think I was like, you don't even know what that word means. Like everyone's throwing that word around. Like I'm not trying to get And that's the thing in that moment. I said, I'm not trying to gaslight you. If that's what this is, I'm not trying to do it because I didn't even really know I was doing it. I do think now that I still wasn't trying to do it except for this moment where I think I felt like eh, I'm now I'm starting to feel a little bit uncertain, but I'm just going to keep pushing until I win. Right. Uh-huh. But again, uh-huh. like in the example that you presented where it's like a mother, uh, I think it, there was a, a woman and she had um, some health issues, right? Some, some mental health issues and her mother just kept dismissing it. Right. Right. And, that one, that one still feels like, how, how do you ultimately end up putting that under the umbrella of, of gaslighting? Because to me, it just felt like a very misinformed mother. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think these are all, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a sort of a loosey-goosey word in this way, because what some people might consider, I don't know, trying to win an argument or maybe lying, another person might label gaslighting. And I think I always come back to like the power differential or the power dynamics in the relationship and who has the ability to like assert their reality um, and who does that in a patterned way. I do think in response to your question, Peter, it is not like you know, it's not going to upend my life if someone denies my reality in an argument one time because they're trying to win an argument. But if someone does that to me every day and tries to convince me that the things I'm experiencing are not real, that's going to have a lasting impact on my life and my sense of self. So in that sense, I do think the patterned aspect is important, as is the power dynamic. Mm. So one of the reasons that example is useful is because Audrey, that's her pseudonym, is experiencing her mother calling her lazy and unproductive, um, even though she has a serious mental health condition for which she has a verified diagnosis, for which she gets disability payments, and for which she's been hospitalized many times for suicide attempts. Um, And her mom continues to deny that that's a real thing, that mental health is a real thing, um, that her mental illness is real, and and calls her 
you know, yeah, lazy, unproductive, you know, all of these types of things. So for Audrey, this is like denying her reality constantly over and over again. And it undermines her, um, her sense of self, her sort of orientation to the world, which is structured in part by the reality of her diagnosis. And it is patterned also by Benita, you mentioned sort of like medical gaslighting that often people, especially who have mental illnesses or sort of like let's say vague symptoms of pain that they can't attribute to a particular source, this type of thing that people experience experts in the medical system all the time telling them that that's not real. It's psychosomatic. Like, you know, we don't really know what that is. And especially if you're a woman and there's this historical connection between femininity and like hysteria. Um, And so I think that all those things come into play in Audrey's experience, right? It's not that it's just her mom, but she feels like it's the whole whole society, whole medical system that's trying to make her feel like she's that what she's not what what she's experiencing isn't isn't real. It's not like breaking an arm, right? Like she's choosing not to go out of the house that day. Um, and that's, that, that's the reality that her mom keeps asserting. And her mom has quite a bit of power over her right. in this scenario. She's dependent on her mom for housing and other financial resources. And so I think that plays into it as well. Okay. Yeah. Huge. So, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is that a pattern, a pattern is something to, to help define it. Right. I think so. Yeah. That's, that's me getting myself out of the, the proverbial <laughs> doghouse. He just he just wanted to make sure about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna listen here here we're gonna listen and hear uh, as you do from our underwriters real quick. We're talking to Paige Sweet uh, about gaslighting, and uh, we're gonna be right back. So stay with us if you can. All right. Bye bye. KWVH and Texan Athletics are supported by Wimberley Roofing. Sam and Anna Mott, local community sports fanatics, owners of Wimberley Roofing, pride themselves on taking care of their neighbors. For roofing, re-roofing, roofing repair, and new construction for your home and business, you can call 512-847-0015 for a consultation on your roofing project. Support comes from Kent Power Sports of Austin, a family-owned, full-service power sports dealership committed to providing exceptional customer service when it comes to side-by-sides, motorcycles, dirt bikes, e-bikes, pit bikes, ATVs, and even go-kart needs. They have you covered with sales, parts, and service. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can find them at kps-austin-honda.com. Freedom Canines International, a nonprofit organization, is currently looking for puppy raisers and foster homes. These dogs are life changers for folks with disabilities like diabetes. Now accepting the application to receive hearing, service, and diabetic alert dogs. Go to freedomcanines.com for information about their trainers, Becky and Todd Keir, and their mission of pups empowering people. All right, welcome back to What We Know, What We Don't. On KWVH 94.3 Wimberley Valley Radio, I'm Peter Roche. My co-host is Benita Condi. You already know that. You already... Hey, Benita, did you happen to notice that uh, on Instagram today I came up with a new slogan for the show? Did you see no. that? Yeah, I'm now saying it's the fastest hour in radio. 
Well, this one is proving to be the case because I cannot believe that we're already halfway through the show. That went so unbelievably fast. Right. Uh, this is such a fascinating and interesting topic. But yes, I, um, you know, you and I are here in the midst of these conversations. And so, you know, we're wonderfully focused and which is such a privilege, I think, in such a distracted world to be in these like wonderfully intense conversations for an hour. But I like that one. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I'm going to add it. So we got so two glad now. you're a writer. Wimberly, Wimberly's that. favorite radio show. That was the, the first one. And now the fastest hour in radio. That's how I'm billing it. I love it. Well, let's get back um, into hey, it. Yeah, I. so I'm curious about, I've got a couple questions, but we'll see how they flow um, with some others that we ha have also. Being that you do work, it seems predominantly with individuals and having these conversations and then seeing the patterns from those conversations. Do you also ever look at it like from a structural perspective? Um, and I'm just curious kind of either the differences or what you see play out and how human beings can like through conversations like this and understanding more of the sort of academic definition and then how it's being studied can be more aware for mm -hmm. when we may be unconsciously doing it and to not do that to others and to see it when it's happening to us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question. I mean, I think, I think gaslighting is in its, in its sort of like most powerful sense, it is a structural phenomenon because it's, okay. it's how I think gaslighting is how we experience social domination in some sense, like big patterns of power and inequality. Like in some sense, the experience of like gender inequality or racial discrimination is like gaslighting. It's like, you know, something's yes. wrong and that something terrible is happening. Um, and then everyone tells you that's not what's happening. Everyone denies that that's real. Um, and wow. that is like, power is two-faced in that way i think i think i think it's both like ever present for people and deeply invisible um and so that is like a gaslighty dynamic in the world that i think is incredibly important to be attentive to because especially if you are in a position of power let's say um, a white boss and a black employee, let's say a male intimate partner with a woman intimate partner, um, you may not think of yourself as in a position of power over that person, but actually your behavior is embedded in that whole structural context, right? And that person experiences your behavior as embedded in that larger structural context, and you could be replicating it all the time. And so I think absolutely this is a it's a it's a structural way to think about the effects of power and domination i think that's a really important that's one of the reasons it's become such a popular term i think because we need a way to talk about that that felt experience of power wow that puts such a powerful lens on yes the last eight years ten years but also this particular moment um in history and and mm -hmm how we interpret uh, maybe very, very different sort of beliefs of what reality right. might be and very, very different experiences, right? In different sides, in different 
regions of the world and in different political affiliations or whatever it might be, right? Where there's this like divisiveness and this digging in of heels that they're sort of just uh-huh. each individual's reality and then saying that the others is not right, right, real. And that's where then there's no space to actually have nuanced conversation about like, oh, well, I believe this because of these experiences I've had in my life, but oh, you believe something different because of the experiences you've had in your life. And what if there's no right or wrong? It's why I really struggle with the term evil. Mm. Because when that is applied to terrible things that happen, I feel like it's a form of gaslighting. I've never said that out loud. Um, But it was like, it's just coming as I'm talking where there might be many more nuances going on, but it immediately makes something this sort of like black and white, Mm. good and bad. And then you might lose the potential for whether it's a coming together around something or justice to be felt or, you know, moved through through various different systems when things are just labeled in these very, very like, it, no, it's this or it's this ways. And I think it's just really powerful to talk about this term and this experience through the lens of the larger structural context and these power mm-hmm. dynamics. Because mm-hmm. we are being told, and especially then through social media, right, we're being told what to believe and what mm. not to believe. I mean, we obviously have been, I think, since the beginning of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so, it's so important. And I think, you know, when we see patterns of when people's experiences are sort of systematically denied, that's when that like structural piece is so important. So when we know that when sexual assault survivors come forward um, and let's say report their assault to a university and the response of a university is like, well, it sounds like that was just a messy consent situation. Like, it's not really anyone's fault. What you experienced wasn't really that harmful. When we see that happening over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. that's when we can say, like, okay, that's an example of structural gaslighting. Um, There's a piece on structural gaslighting, a short piece written by some physicians in Scientific American, where they made the argument that when we watched George Floyd being murdered in a video. And then we were told from the autopsy report that he died because of a pre-existing health condition, but that was structural gaslighting. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what they used that phrase exactly, structural gaslighting. Um, And so it's a way to sort of, you know, deny culpability um, or excuse, right, the patterns of power that we're seeing. And so I think in that sense, it can be really useful to put those two terms together, structure and gaslighting. Wow. I can see, like, my mind is just, like, the wheels are turning and all of the different um, structural examples and the ways in which this plays out in society across all of the various different power dynamics and abuses of power. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wonder, too, then, if in some cases... Because really, within like the last 72 hours, just my my understanding and identification of it, and I'm just like, okay, I could see that. And even the one that you just mentioned um, with the rape reporting or the assault reporting and how that's handled. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about a lot of people celebrated Steve Jobs and said that what made him 
uh, a genius or so amazing was that he bent reality to what he wanted it to be. Right now he, you know, God bless him um, for everything that he brought to the table. He's been out of the picture for a long time. Uh, I don't even know, but it feels like it's been a while and maybe even a bit before some things could have come to light. Cause now I'm sitting there wondering like, well, that was like, that was celebrated. That was heralded. Like, look at this guy who can bend reality to his whim to make things happen. And, and so I wonder, I'm like, well, was he gaslighting people to do that? You know? I mean, um, and in that sense, I just kind of wonder if, if you would say, I guess I'm asking you is like, is the phenomenon, especially when it's happening within a industry, in a business, within a corporation, mm. a, corp- a corporate structure, is it one of the things that we admire? Yeah. I mean, I think that's such an interesting question. I'm not sure about Steve Jobs, but I do think that we associate that, like, power comes, right, with being able to sort of, yeah, bend reality, make the world in your own image, make the world seem what you see the world as. And I think that that happens in a more micro way in intimate relationships where someone holds a lot of power over the other person. Um, So we see for example, in domestic violence situations, the abusers are often quite skilled at spinning a narrative of their own importance. So they may, so I've interviewed multiple survivors whose whose abusers have told them totally fabricated stories about their sort of like importance in the professional world Mm. that then the victim later found out was not true. Um, That they were, for example, that they had cancer and were undergoing chemotherapy because that made them sort of like important in some way or special in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think you see that kind of like, in this case, it's fabricated, but it doesn't have to be entirely fabricated. You see that kind of like um, willingness to sort of bend the world to your whim mm-hmm. and try to convince someone else that that's true. I think you see that in the, in a micro way in intimate relationships. And I think it's sort of scary in any industry or large group, right? Where one person takes on this sort of like iconic status and we become invested in their ego and their power in that way. And you can see how that makes everyone around them vulnerable to all kinds of abuses of power. We see that with like Harvey Weinstein, for example, right? Like that people become really vulnerable to that person's abuses of power. And then they can just say, no, I'm not doing that. These people are crazy. Right. Because the other thing that I think, so I'm including it now. I think, you know, over, over the last few years, this is my own personal opinion. This isn't based in anything other than uh, opinion, but it's like so many of the things that, that we seem to celebrate in, in leaders, you know, are not, are not actually really good things. Right. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I started to think back on my own career and, uh, was I being gaslit? I'm trying to remember like what, you know, and then that got me thinking like, well, no one would think I, I was, even if I was, because I present as a strong I know what I want. Here's the thing that's going to happen, whatever. But I will say, I mean, Benita mentioned before the show started, you know, I, it's no secret on this show uh, that I had many struggles with alcohol and, and, and drugs. And uh, I do remember a period of time where I, I worked for an individual. And I think 
initially, I was very capable of being like, you're lying. I, I, I know that you're lying and it's fine. Like you are, you are a horrible, he, he was a renowned, horrible person, by the way. So, I mean, it was easy, but I will tell you that it wore me down. I actually eventually yeah. uh, got worn down to where I did start to question, like, maybe he's right. Maybe this, maybe yeah. this person that I know is horrible <laughs> is actually right. It doesn't matter that he's, you know, because it was just, it was enough of it. It was in my face enough of it. And, and I also think to a certain extent, I got, I got tired of defending, uh, myself and it it became almost easier to just sort of believe his version of events. Um, because you know, in that particular there, there's the power dynamic, right? Like it didn't really matter what I believed. It wasn't, I wasn't going to change anything, uh, about the way he was conducting himself or, 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 or handling things around me with, with the business. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful example. It comes back to the pattern, right? So like a lot of people sort of imagine that something like domestic violence, you know, takes shape through like one dramatic violent episode, like, you know, a a really violent, like punch or something like that. But actually it's this slow wearing down. It's this like, you use someone's psychological exhaustion against them um, because you have worked hard to like wear down that person's defenses. Um, and it becomes just so exhausting to try to keep asserting your own reality or a counter narrative or something like that in the face of this kind of abuse. And it really relies on that. The other thing it often relies on is isolation because you don't know how to even describe to someone else what's happening. It's going to make you sound so weird, you know, and a lot of survivors tell me, I didn't even know the words to tell someone else what my abuser was doing to me because it seemed like nothing. Like maybe he wore a red shirt yesterday and I mentioned the red shirt and then he insisted it was blue. And that sounds so stupid to tell someone else that that's what he did. But it was part of this mind game he was doing with me. But if I described it to someone else, they'd be like, oh my God, that's so dumb. You know? So I think the, that like built that, that slow build is so critical to the experience of gaslighting, especially in intimate relationships or even in workplaces, maybe. Right. In that example, Absolutely. though, of, of the red shirt, blue shirt one, that is where it does start to err on the side of feeling intentional and, and, and evil and Machiavellian, right? And th- yeah. those ones are going to be even harder to believe because even the gaslight as it existed in in its first form if she had gone to somebody and said, he's changing the lights from low to high to make it seem like I'm crazy. Yeah. We're just not conditioned to believe that another person is doing that. You know, I mean, I've said this before and I always butcher it, but like, I remember reading an interview, um, uh, part of several interviews with, with a serial killer. And it was just like, you know, the thing is, is they, you just never believe that the worst is going to happen. You keep thinking. And that's the thing. So I think somebody comes to you and tells you an example, like the red shirt, blue shirt, somebody comes to you and tells, you, you know, they're messing with the lights to make it seem like I'm crazy. We are just, I think most of us anyway, are just kind of like born to be like, I don't, I don't think somebody would do that. But I wonder 
sure why we wouldn't believe that, but we would believe we know it's incredibly common for people to commit violence against their partners. Yeah. Like we, we probably wouldn't say like, oh, there's no way he hit you. You know, I hope we wouldn't say that. Um, sure. But we might deny, right, that someone would lie about the color shirt they had to wear down their partner's defenses. Um, it's, you know, all of these things are sort of like become part of a of a package. And I don't even know, you know, sometimes the it's possible that the abuser is not actually being all that intentional about it. So like, for example, a lot of survivors talk about how their partners sort of hide or take their phone and then insist that she's lost it. This has a really strong effect in abusive relationships because it cuts off communication with other people um, and sort of makes her seem careless. If you ask an abuser, why did you do that? I'm not sure that they'd be able to tell you, well, I wanted to cut off communication with the outside world, right? Like, I'm not sure it's not that clear to them all the time why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and I also think they genuinely believe sometimes I hit her because she made me do it because she was acting really crazy and I had to, I had to hit her. I had to like put her back in line. Um, and so that, that sort of like dynamic is also, is also there. It's, it's not that someone's wow. like, I'm going to lie about this now. It's like, you might actually believe that person deserves what's coming to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the power of the abuser or the person who is behaving in these gaslighting ways of like their own um, mental health state, psychological profile, beliefs, like to them, the way that they're acting or behaving, maybe until there are some consequences or something that maybe shed light on the fact that like that might not be a productive or healthy way to treat another human. And that moment doesn't always come for everybody. Right. But until then that seems like a really valid way to be interacting with others and to feed whatever that like lacking sense of self is. Cause it sounds to me like that has to be very much where it's coming from. It's like incredible mm. insecurity, mm-hmm. like incredible, like, and not having other ways and tools to be able to interact with somebody and feel like you are, that you do actually have a sense of power and control without controlling other people. Mm, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that you're controlling, right, that you're exerting power and control over another person because you don't feel that in your own life. I mean, I because I'm a sociologist, I pay so much attention to, like, context and power dynamics that I don't, I don't think or, or study that much the sort of like motivations of abusers. But when I talk to clinicians about this, so I often like will train therapists or clinicians on this type of work. They're always very curious about that and have, so I just throw the question back to them. Like, why do you think someone would do this? Um, and I feel like they often say that it is a sort of from a sense of lack, an attempt to exert power and control over a situation that they feel like has gotten out of control. Um, so I think your explanation is like very much in line with how I hear people explain it who do focus more on the sort of motivations of the person who's doing the harm 
Oh, fascinating. That's really fascinating to know that it, like that range of different conversations you're having as well mm. with different, you know, aspects of um, people in this space. It's really interesting. I would imagine in the domestic violence space, then also like so many other um, ill behaviors that it, it's learned. Right. I mean, is, 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 is gaslighting like a learned behavior too? If you watched, uh, your mother or father, whichever, you know, sort of use that, uh, as a skill to get what they wanted to move the, the relationship where they wanted, or to even, I mean, honestly, just to like belittle and make somebody feel like they were less than, or, or in fact, crazy because that's, sure. you know, I mean, that's, you know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm a literally I'm literally climbing into some some closets here, <laughs> meeting some skeletons in real time. <laughs> anyway, um, it happens. It happens on the show. Yeah, it show. does. It does when we're talking about this kind of thing. Because as as yeah. the answers to our questions are being given, then it's it's just opening up. The you know, new questions are forming, and definitely sending my brain. Well, I think that's so, it's so important that you're also like modeling that, Peter. I mean, you're like reflecting on this conversation that you have with your partner and one of the things we can do when we think about things like psychological manipulation or emotional abuse gaslighting is we can recognize that we all do small versions of this all mm -hmm. the time um and that that is something that we can reflect on and actually change in our intimate dynamics and we may not be aware of when we're doing them um, and they may be in small ways, right? Not in these huge kind of really dramatic ways that I'm giving examples of, but we can actually all be a lot more reflective about how we engage in this, this type of thing, right? Cause none of us is, is separate from these dynamics. Yeah. Quick so question. I think, Oh, go ahead. Benita. I was going to say, thank you for bringing it back to that because just from a purpose element in terms of this show is it's always been our intention to be able to like humbly have these conversations to be able to say like oh yeah like what's my part in this as mm -hmm. well and where can i look and to purposefully model that because it is the only way that we then can have productive conversations like none of this interacting with others in the world is happening in isolation um and yes. we all have have various different parts um in these interactions Right. Absolutely. And none of us is free from power dynamics. Any situation we're in, we're entering into power dynamics. And so being aware of how we're using or not using those is really important. Yep. It is. I think, I mean, that was beautifully put, Benita, because I think that's what the show often is and, and why sometimes we have these moments where it feels like we're, we're not sure what to say next because we're processing in real time. And that's why the show has been such a gift for that. And, and meeting you today, Paige, has been a real gift as well. I was just going to ask this, and, you know, I think it's one of the quicker questions to answer. Do you feel like right now that the, the term gaslighting is being used in the wrong way? And therefore mm -hmm. weakening it as, as, as a thing, or, or at least as the word that describes, uh, the, the behavior. Yeah, I think that's such a good question. I mean, we have seen like an incredible diffusion of this term across culture and like social media, you know, I, 
I teach college students and they are just, you know, social media, the sort of mental health world of social media is just saturated with mm-hmm. narcissism and gaslighting. Those are like the, the buzzwords of the moment. And I think when that happens, you know, there's a couple ways to look at it. One is like, yes, the definitions become very loosey goosey. Sometimes people will call something gaslighting when someone lied to them, um, for example. And I think that's not quite strong enough. Um, but I think on the other hand, I'm sort of like happy or relieved that we have a, an everyday language to talk about intimate power dynamics to like name and understand these confusing things. And if, if some of the survivors that I interview found the term gaslighting on social media and were like, Oh my gosh, I'm being abused. Then that is like worth it. I think that this term has really entered the everyday vocabulary of so many people. So I, I guess I think the gains are more important than the than the drawbacks of it, even though I think it is sort of irritating sometimes to see such a powerful word be kind of watered down occasionally. Yeah. I have yeah. noticed in the past like six, seven, eight years that there there have been other instances of words that catch fire. They're used a ton. You wonder, you know, if, if it even means anything anymore. And then somehow it, somehow it loses the power for the people who are throwing it around. And then it kind of, you know, simmers down and then it stays. It stays in yeah. our vernacular as it was supposed to. So yeah. and, and, and in all honesty, I, I almost feel like that is happening. I'm not I don't think I'm I'm, you know, running in the same circles that you are in terms of social media where you're probably seeing it a lot. But I had sort of thought, oh, you know, now that I really think about it, it seems like I'm seeing the word less um yeah. at least bandied about by the people who want to control us <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know i'm right benita um I, so, you got it yeah you got time Benita. go well i just wanted to loop back because i think maybe on some level we've answered that question that you posed at the beginning peter but like can you gaslight yourself no and yes <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, at the beginning of this conversation, thought that you could, and now I don't. I've 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 come full circle and decided that actually you cannot guess because I was thinking like, is how many times do we come out of a meeting and it's oh my god that was the worst thing I can't believe how that went blah 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 he talks oh my gosh you did such a great job Hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. no no I didn't it was horrible but thanks. But I, like I, the noise I, from the critical self, I think, has a very powerful abilities to do that to a certain degree. Yeah. But I don't necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily the same as gaslighting. Yeah. I think it's it's our at a minimum. Uh, we just have narrative. to put the word self in front of it. Self gaslighting. There. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coin. Um, Paige, this has been a, a real pleasure. And I, I'm really psyched to talk to so I want to get more sociologists on the show and, uh, and, and even have you back on the show. I didn't even realize it until yeah. re- I sat down next to a sociologist the other day when I was at a book fair and all of the things, the patterns, all of the stuff, it, it was all related to music with him. It was fascinating. It was really fascinating. Uh, is there anywhere? I mean, I, I don't know where, where we'll link to. I know that you, you are uh, you, you've written a book. It's called mm-hmm. The uh, Politics of Surviving. Mm-hmm. All right. And did did I re- are you also working on another book right now? 
I am. Yes. I'm writing a book on, on gaslighting, um, with Princeton University Press that will be out in the world eventually. Um, so I'm happy to, to update you about that as it comes. Great. Well, I mean, I look forward to reading that for sure. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you guys about this. Thank you. Wonderful to have you on. For making the time. And Benita, I want you to have a great weekend. Paige, you have a great weekend. We didn't even we didn't even get to talk about the sign stealing at the University of Michigan page. That was something I really wanted to get into, but maybe next time. Wimberly, no comment. Yeah, no comment. Wimberly, enjoy the rest of this uh, really cool fall, true fall day out there. Get your coffees, get your beanies on. Uh, I'm gonna stroll. I'll leave this fishbowl and take a nice stroll. I deserve it. All right, y'all. Take care.